You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. covenant is something internal. You're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You become a new creation. And now you're not living by a set of rules and regulations, religious stuff. That's religious stuff. No, now, now you're made new inside. You've been renewed by the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5. Big difference. One's religion. The other's relationship. And you've been made new. From the time we're born to the time that we accept Jesus as our Savior, guilt can be a powerful thing. We all make choices that don't line up with what God would want us to do, and that can make us feel dirty. Guilt can tend to feel as though we need to be washed. And in today's message, Pastor Danny will remind you that when you choose to come into a relationship with Jesus, you're made new, not just washed all squeaky clean. The Bible says that you're made into a new creation, clean from the start. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 2, as he continues his message, The New Covenant. Last but not least, the Old Covenant is based on works. Quoting the Old Covenant, Romans 10.5 and Galatians 3.12, the man who does these things will live by them. In other words, if you're going to try to live by the law, you got to live by the whole law. You can't say, well, I kept some of it. No, that's not the way it works. you got to keep the whole thing. It's all or nothing. Now, the New Covenant. Uh, just the first one is, is enough. Under the new covenant, you can be righteous, but not just better than somebody else and not just, no, the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. A little practical tidbit as well. The reason if you died as an Old Testament saint, you're looking forward to the coming Messiah, you could not go into the presence of the Father. You could not go to what we call heaven, and it is heaven. You went down to the grave, to Sheol. Why? You went to a place called Abraham's bosom. Abraham because you died in the faith of Abraham, the coming seed, the Messiah. You couldn't go into the presence of the Father because the sacrifice sufficient to take away the sin and make us righteous had not been offered. That's why Peter tells us when Jesus died on the cross and then in his spirit, he went to Sheol. And Ephesians tells us, Psalm 68, quoting Psalm 68, a Messianic Psalm, when he left Sheol, he led captives in his train. That's his royal robe. And he goes 
And he takes them all from Abraham's bosom into the presence of the Father. And now the Apostle Paul tells us, New Testament, New Testament believers, believers, you die and your spirit immediately goes not to Sheol, not to Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom is empty. Abraham's not even there. And absent from the body now is present with the Lord. Because now the sacrifice sufficient to make us righteous, the righteousness of God. I am just as righteous by faith in Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ is righteous. Every time I say this, I like to add, I'm not Jesus Christ, never will be. Neither are you. I'm not God, never will be. But I'm as righteous as God because of what Jesus did. Otherwise, you can't go to heaven. That's the only way you can get into heaven, by the way. The only way. There is no other way. The new covenant is a regular reminder that I am righteous. Paul talks about this practically in Romans 7. When I teach on Romans 7, I call it schizo-Christianity. Because Paul there, that's where he says, the things I want to do, I end up not doing. The things I don't want to do, that I end up doing. He's not talking about he's living a lifestyle of sin, and he's not living uh, in, in devotion to Jesus Christ. He's just saying, practically speaking, I still mess up. That's what he's saying. And so he comes to the end of that section, and he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Because the sin still dwells in the members of our body, and we still struggle with sin. And that's when he says, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he opens chapter 8 this way, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he's being reminded that despite his struggle and his continued failure, despite how much he loves Christ and is serving Christ, he still messes up. But he's not righteous based on himself. He's righteous based on his faith in Christ. And so it's a regular reminder. And Satan's always accusing us. He's the accuser of the brethren. He said, look what you did. Look at you. You call yourself a Christian? You're a Christian wife? Yeah, right. And, 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 he's, and he's, he's just accusing us. And he still has something to accuse us about. Until, until we remember we have a defense lawyer that, man, is he good. Man, is he good. And he's, he's not cheap, but he paid his own bill. And he looks over to the father and said, Father, you know what Satan says is exactly right but I died for them. I paid the price. And so regular reminder, righteousness. And because of that, you can have a clear conscience. In the old covenant, Hebrews 10 2, none of those sacrifices cleared the conscience of the worshiper. I will never, ever forget the night I knelt in my front yard and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I will never forget going to sleep that night. And before I went to sleep, I laid my head on the pillow and I had and it was just overwhelming, and it still is. It still is. That I'm like, I don't feel guilty anymore. I've been cleansed. I've been washed. And now I have peace with God. Romans 5 tells us, now we have peace with God. And I lay my head on the pillow, and I do every night. And if I do not wake up in this life, and by the way, that's the way I'd like to go. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to go that way? I mean, can you imagine going to sleep? As a Christian and waking up, Jesus. I mean, that's the way to do it, man. I'm a wimp, dude. I'm, I'm just like any of you guys. Any, any of you want to suffer and die? No, man. I want to just go to sleep and wake up, Jesus. 
But I mean, I have peace with God. I, you know, when I was out partying and I knew about Jesus and I believed in Jesus, I knew he was the Messiah. He just wasn't my Messiah. You know, and I'm out, I'm headed to Clear Pond with the tequila and the chaser, you know, and smoking pot and looking to have a great time, you know, and we had a great time. We had a lot of fun. Listen, sin can be a lot of fun. And it's not the sin that's not a lot of fun. It's the end of it. When it's full grown, it gives birth to death. That's the problem. That's the problem. But I'll never forget, you know, when I was out partying and everything, and, I, and all of a sudden I start thinking about Jesus, and I start thinking about hell, and I turned the Doobie Brothers up even louder. Like, I want to get my mind off of that stuff. I'm here to party, man. Rock and roll. But oh, what a feeling. That night I gave my life to Christ, and ever since, it's like, I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to be damned. I, I'm not, I have a Savior. I have peace with God. And I have a clear conscience because of Jesus. Please get this one. The new covenant. The old covenant is external regulations. It's a bunch of rules. It's a bunch of sacrifices. And it's, it's a bunch of rules and sacrifices. Listen, it's a very important point to try to get right with God. New covenant is something internal. You're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You become a new creation. And now you're not living by a set of rules and regulations, religious stuff. That's religious stuff. No, now, now you're made new inside. You've been renewed by the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5. Big difference. One's religion. The other's relationship. And you've been made new. It's a marriage. It's a romance. It's a love relationship. That's what it's intended to be. Not religion. And the reality of the new covenant is Christ. Pause on that one because this is such an important point. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins, the uncircumcision of your sinful nature... Um, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it away. Took it away. Didn't mix it with the new. Took it away. Nailing it to the cross. And then he says in verse 16, in light of that, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. What's he talking about? Kosher diet. He goes on. Or with regard to a religious festival. Stop there. What's he talking about? Passover, Feast of Tabernacles, all those Jewish feasts, a new moon celebration under the law. They had these new moon celebrations. That was connected with their agricultural lifestyle, and it really had to do with uh, making sure you, you, you celebrate that, because if you do that, then God will bless your crops and your paycheck will keep coming in. That was the idea. But now, look, that was a shadow. Or, get this one, last one he mentioned, a Sabbath day. What are we reading about in Mark, and what were these Jewish leaders so upset about? The violation of the Sabbath. He's saying, wait a minute. That's a shadow. The reality. Listen. These are a shadow, verse 17, of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. He's our Passover. 
He's unleavened bread because now we're looking to purge our lives because of what he did for us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He is our Sabbath rest, and not just on a Saturday, every day. The point is we have people, some in the church, that are teaching a false doctrine and saying, yeah, it's Christ, but you still got to have a kosher diet. No, you don't. If you want to have one for health reasons, fine, but don't have it for holiness reasons because it won't make you more holy. Some people are saying we got to celebrate the Jewish feast. Listen to me, and I'm going out on a limb here, but it's a biblical limb. Even the Jews don't have to celebrate the Jewish feast if they've entered into the new covenant. You say, wait a minute, didn't Paul the Apostle celebrate the feast? You read 1 Corinthians 9, he'll tell you why he did. Because when he's in the Gentile world, he didn't do that. You know what he did in the Gentile world? He acted like a Gentile. Not immorally, but he ate bacon if he was served bacon. He ate pork chop if he was served pork chop. He writes that in his letter to the Corinthian church. And he tells the Christians, whatever's set before you without raising question of conscience sake. Paul who was Saul of Tarsus, who he tells us in Philippians, in regard to legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. But when he came to know Christ and really came to understand the new covenant, he realized those are shadows. Shadows. So why did he continue to celebrate the feast when he was with Jews who celebrated the feast? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. With those under the law, I myself acted like I was under the law. He's not being deceptive. He's being shrewd. He's being as wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. He wasn't telling them to keep the law. That's the way to go. But he wasn't coming in and just outright offending them. He was trying to be a chameleon for Christ. And you read in 1 Corinthians 9, that's what he says. Acts chapter 10, Peter, sheet let down from heaven. Kill and eat. But it's all unclean, unkosher stuff. And Peter says, no way, Lord. I've never, I've never taken anything, never eaten anything unclean. And God's trying to teach him a valuable truth because right after this, he sends him to the house of Cornelius, an uncircumcised Jewish or Roman centurion. And Peter walks in and he says, I want you to know I just violated Jewish custom by coming in here. I've just defiled myself. Then he shares the gospel. Everybody in the whole house gets saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit like the Jewish guys did on the day of Pentecost. And the circumcised believer that came along with Peter, with Peter, trying to go too fast. The circumcised believers that came with him were astonished that the Holy Spirit was poured out on these uncircumcised Gentiles. And God purified him by faith without adhering to anything connected with the law. And Peter and the apostles had to learn the truth practically of the new covenant. That circumcision is of no value. The only thing that counts, Paul writes, is faith expressing itself in love. The reality is Christ. The new covenant, we have a perfect priest. One that is set apart. The Hebrews tells us in chapter 7, verse 26, he meets our need. He's holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Never had to offer sacrifice for his own sin because he never sinned. But he became sin for us. He never sinned, but he became sin. Paid our price. And gives us his righteousness. Oh, 
Hebrews 10, verse 12. After he says, day after day, every priest stands, performs his religious duties. But when this priest had offered for one time, for all time, one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. You know one piece of furniture that wasn't there for the priest in their service under the old covenant? A chair. Why? Because their job was never done. And their mission was never completed, never could be. Jesus is the only one that could give us what we need. And when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he didn't mean for one more year. And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Stunned. Perfect sacrifice. And it's all inclusive. Hebrews 8 talks about Jeremiah prophesying about the new covenant. I'll write my laws on their minds and on their hearts. And all of them will know me from the least to the greatest. The least to the greatest. Whosoever will, let him come. Ephesians 2 says, you who are formerly Gentiles and, and far away. I mean, you couldn't get in under the Old Testament system. He says, now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Whosoever will. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter your background. I love the way Hebrews ends. Hebrews 13, verse 20, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, it's eternal, never end, going to last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And finally, it's based on faith. It's by faith from first to last, Romans 1.17, quoting the Old Testament law. By faith from first to last. Now, I'm going to go just a little bit over time and I make no apologies for it. Just a little bit, not much, maybe three minutes, something like that. If you can't handle three minutes... Find a different church. And I mean that in all love. My goodness. Three minutes. Yeah. It's by faith. The new covenant is not really new. You on your own can read through the text of Galatians chapter 3. But in Galatians chapter 3, let me just tell you quickly... Paul there says, let me give you an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. And then he brings up Abraham. And he says, God made a covenant with Abraham, and it's a covenant of, of promise. What was the promise? Through your seed, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. We know the seed, singular Hebrew word, is Christ. So he's talking to Abraham about Christ. And from the loins, from the lineage of Abraham, comes Jesus, the Christ. So it's a covenant of promise, promise through your seed, the Christ, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So it's really the Abrahamic covenant. And the law was introduced, Galatians 3, 430 years later. It doesn't set aside the covenant previously established. The purpose of the law was added. The law was added to show us, show us the only way you're going to get it is by the promise. Now, let me tell you a quick word about the promise. When God ratifies the covenant, Genesis 15, after Abraham believes God, through your seed all the nations of the earth be blessed, Abraham believes God, he credits him as righteousness based on the coming of the seed and the work he would do. And then Abraham is put into a deep sleep, and God then ratifies the covenant. Abraham's in a deep sleep. Here's how the covenant is ratified. 
Two parts of the sacrifice, they're split in two. The way they'd ratify covenants, you're making a covenant with somebody, you would offer the sacrifice, you'd split it in two, you'd walk in between the halves of the sacrifice, both parties. And by walking in between it, what you're saying is, may we become like this sacrifice if we don't keep our end of the bargain. I keep my end, if I don't, may I become like the sacrifice. I'll keep my end, and if I don't, may I become like the sacrifice. Galatians 3, the law was put into effect, verse 19, through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. How many times I read that over the years and never understood it? What's he saying in the context? The mediator, the mediator, law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, two parties. Who is the two parties? God and man, right? These are the things I say you do. They say we'll do them. Only problem is they can't do them. They keep failing because it's a covenant of law. Are you with me? You got that, right? God now, the covenant of promise 430 years early. Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Put Abraham in deep sleep, deep sleep, splits the sacrifice. Abraham's sleeping. And a blazing torch, you read it in Genesis 15, goes in between the pieces of the sacrifice. Abraham has nothing to do with the ratification and the fulfillment of the covenant. Who's it between? But God is one. Yeah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, not three gods. That's what Galatians means. God is one. The covenant has nothing to do with our obedience, has nothing to do with law, has everything to do with God. It's a covenant between God and himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father drew up the plan. You are my son, my only son, whom I love. Here's the plan. I'm sending you to earth. I'm giving you a human body, and you must die. You don't have to, but that's the plan, if you're willing. Father, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, yours be done. And the Son was willing to carry out the plan. And the Holy Spirit testified that he is indeed the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then afterwards, he confirmed by signs of the Holy Spirit, testimony by the Holy Spirit. It's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and the covenant is between themselves. And it's a promise that based on what I am going to accomplish, here's your responsibility. Trust me. Believe and receive. You say, well, if that's all I got to do, I just believe in Jesus and go live like hell. And some people have taken that attitude. But the biblical response to the new covenant I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hebrews closes this way. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. If you didn't, weren't singing during the song service, I don't understand. And then do good. Do good not to become righteous, but because you've been declared righteous. Hebrews says, don't forget to do good. Share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Sacrifice is not to make us holy. Sacrifice is because we've been made holy by Jesus and by his sacrifice to give thanks. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and build up in him, strengthen the faith, and overflowing with thankfulness. 
You received him by faith. Live by faith. By faith. By faith. Not by works. Not by religious rules and standards. Not by religious observant to try to measure up. No, by faith. By faith. By faith. He's the reality. He's everything. We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? You might not realize how powerful prayer can be, especially during such uncertain times. There might be a listener who's really struggling, and God might stir in their heart a renewal of their faith simply by listening to this program. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. Just as we're reminded in Mark, God came to earth as a human, suffered in all the ways we do, and ultimately came to redeem each one of us. That's the takeaway we hope every listener gains from tuning in. Please pray for us also to seek God's will for this program and for it to continue to reach people in a powerful way. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued looking at the book of Mark. We hope that you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.